Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time f- Podcast. It is Thursday, January 5th, the day before. In this episode, we'll review the match week that was City holding serve, Chelsea awful, and mighty Forest getting out of the relegation zone. And we will talk about the concept of the other 14, the other 14. So there are, we have a big six, but there's also the concept of the other 14. But first, we're going to go through the scores. Okay, we started the week with Brentford defeating Liverpool 1-3. We covered that in the previous week. Liverpool, a shambles. Uh, Van Dyke wasn't pulled. He's indeed injured, as I mentioned that he did get pulled, but he's in bad shape. Uh, Thomas Frank's an incredible coach and Liverpool still licking their wounds and kind of back to square one. They hadn't been playing well and this game showed it. There's something about Brentford. You go to their stadium on a Friday night, they will show you who you really are because they don't F around. They come to fight. Wisa kicked ass and Van Dyke was terrible and got pulled. Liverpool still not able to get off the schneid. There's a lot to talk about there, but we'll spend another episode for that. On Tuesday, games I didn't cover. Arsenal, nil. Newcastle United, nil. Come on, you two and army. Yeah. Anyway, um, Arsenal at home, huffed and puffed, pushed as hard as they can. Newcastle figured out, you know what? We're not going toe-to-toe with these clowns. And they shithoused their way to a victory. Now, it was Cholismo at it Cholismo best. Do we know who Cholismo is? Cholismo is... Uh, from Cholo Simeone, Diego Simeone, the coach of Atletico Madrid uh, in Spain, who have punched over their weight for a decade now uh, and have been known for just mucking up games, slowing them down. All the stuff that people like to hate about football, they do it. And so uh, Newcastle did that. They went down. Guys fell on the ground. Guys held the ball up. The story is an average, you know, a Premier League game usually has about 90 has 90 minutes on the clock plus whatever stoppage time. But really there's somewhere in the range of 60 minutes of actual play. And people measure this and they try and make suggestions on it. In this game Newcastle got this date game down to like 52 minutes, 50 minutes. So they really slowed it down, really made it difficult for Arsenal. Arsenal had good chances. They were, they were, there was a penalty shout. Uh, Mikel Arteta's yelling at the coach. It was a really fun throwback game for a nil-nil. Uh, there is a genre of person who loved this game. Uh, it was the slick passing of Arsenal versus the gritty team performance of Newcastle United. A really good game and keeps the league close because we'll get to City in a minute. Then Frank Lampard and Everton get smoked by Brighton in comical goals. Brighton and Deserby, they deserve this. It looks like Brighton might have their striker with young Mr. Ferguson up top. An incredible goal by um, by Evan Ferguson. Matomi looks a player. Solly March again. Pasquale Gross again. Uh, Damari Gray got a late goal to sort of how hum get <clears throat> the points, but it was dominant. Um, Really, really pathetic from from uh, Everton. And again, Fat Frank, you are not good. Uh, you're not up for the challenge here, and you're not going to have a job if you can't turn this team around. 
Brighton are good and they will turn teams over, but Everton looked terrible and they gave up bad goals. Like uh, I think James Tarkovsky ended up on the floor on his face after every goal. It was not pretty and not good. Uh, the great and powerful Fulham get the win, of course, through their man Mitrovic, who now has 12 goals, 11 goals. I don't even know how many goals he has, uh, but it's a lot. Um, an even game, but you know, Fulham we see are that team that you don't want to play. I think I said during the show, um, during the preview that it needed James Madison and they don't have James Madison, so they can't really get these games done. Um, Telemans came on, tried to change it, but without no Madison, no party, Iosi Perez missed a sitter to bring this game level. It was a fun game. Uh, I thought Fulham were pretty good and Fulham under Captain America, the real Captain America, Tim Ream, captaining his team, uh, they get it done and a clean sheet. So this team's cruising. I liked seeing um, uh, Adi Rabayo back in the team, former City uh, youth player. Good stuff from Fulham, and we're going to talk about the other 14 as we get through the scores. Uh, Leeds play a very entertaining 2-2 draw versus West Ham. An important game for West Ham, I think, uh, even though they did take the lead uh, early in the second half, they got two goals, a penalty from Paqueta and then Samaka. Um, an important point for Leeds, but an important result for West Ham to not lose and keep the rot from rotting. Going to Ellen Road is tough because they play different. Uh, West Ham finally sort of looked like they, they're good. Their players they bought were there. They were playing. They were fighting. Agard from the World Cup from Morocco and a fantastic defender finally coming back into the side. So uh, a little bit of defensive reinforcements for for um, David Moyes. I don't think they'll be relegated, but I I kind of like David Moyes and I like his curmudgeon-y kind of old school football. And I hope that he can keep uh, the team moving forward. Then for our friends in the UK and from our chat group, the great and powerful, not, not in fault, get the win on the road, scoring, I think, their first goal on the road all season. Christian, this one is for you. They, they defeat Southampton at St. Mary's. A huge win for Nottingham Forest, who have not just been losing on the road. They've been getting demolished on the road. Uh, so a big win for, um, for Forest. And they get out of the relegation zone. They're now up to 15th. It's a real fight down there. And this relegation battle usually has some team that's cut adrift. But no one's really cut adrift yet. I really, really liked, I really, really wanted to have Forrest stay in the league. And I did pick them to stay in the league because I believe in, in Steve Cooper uh, a lot. I think that he's a good manager. I think that when he brought... He brought Forrest up. They were 16th the year before in the championship. And then they finished third uh, and then won and then won the, the playoffs. Really good coach. And that if he could survive and get himself through this period and get past the World Cup period, he would get them out of the relegation zone. And he does have them out. Now, is it two points out of the relegation zone? Yes, but it is done. Everton are in the relegation zone. Yowza. Leeds still hanging on. I think. Leads are good. Nyoto, uh, the young Italian, scores a goal. Really fine stuff and really good stuff from them. Then we move on to Spurs. Spurs? Hey, turns out if you score goals first, you don't fucking lose. Spurs uh, behind a fantastic Harry Kane performance. 
who scores two goals, header in the back post, and a nice, nice turn and finish with the pass from uh, Hill, uh, Brian Hill. Smash what Crystal Palace. The Crystal Palace revival, uh, it's still there. They're okay. But, you know, getting killed 4-0 without a lot of fight. Olisi, my boy. Eze, my boy. Uh, Zaha, my boy. But they just played bad uh, at home. To lose like that to Tottenham is very, very, very bad. Uh, but Tottenham, get a reprieve for all the shit healing and shit housing about Tottenham. Tottenham are still in fifth, two points behind Man United. You know, two points behind uh, Newcastle for third. Everyone, Everything is very tight. No one's been cut adrift. It's a really good division this year, and I'll, we'll cover it in a little bit. But uh, West Ham off the schneid. Turns out not giving up goals is really nice. Then the fake West Midlands derby, which doesn't exist. Villa won, Wolves won. A good draw for Lopetegui. Uh, Mike's boy, Poden, scores a really nice goal, tiptoeing through the side, putting it in the back corner. And then in a killer pass from uh, Danny Ings earlier in the game. Could have got the win late on, but Aston Villa uh, get the draw on a score by Danny Ings. Danny Ings did put in Leon Bailey in the final minute, and Bailey missed uh, for the 1-1 draw. So Villa cruising, Lopetegui cruising. Uh, Wolves are still in the relegation zone, but I really like what I'm seeing there. Um, and then today's game, Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. Uh, no, Erling Holland did not score a goal. Uh, this goal came from uh, Jack Grealish uh, on the wing to Riyad Mahrez, two players that I maligned. I mean, Pep just fucks around with this team. They went to three at the back. They brought Cancelo and Walker back in. Nothing worked. Foden wasn't good. Then they had to change everything at halftime. Uh, Rico Lewis, the best new player in the league that no one's ever heard of. He's fucking incredible. He completely changed this game, opened up spaces all over the place for City to play through. Then second half, City were just dominant, and Chelsea were just hanging on. Yes, they didn't score, create many chances, but this was as controlled a 1-0 as you can find. It wasn't a battering, and it wasn't anything like that. Chelsea are just bad. They don't even have good players right now. It's really kind of a mess. Uh, I feel bad for Graham Potter. He's going to keep hearing Boo Birds. Rory Smith of YouTube fame is going to hammer him. Uh, he's going to get the you're not ready for the shirt. Uh, the team just doesn't have fight and talent and players. Uh, I don't think that this is what Bowley signed up for. Uh, Chelsea's sitting in 10th. Yes, they have only played 17 games. Everyone around them is on 18. But they're behind Brentford. They are, you know, behind two West London clubs, Brentford and Fulham. Not where Chelsea wants to be. Uh, it's this weird thing with Chelsea. And I think... Um, just one last point on it. I think the Abramovich thing and the clear out of all the institutional knowledge of that Abramovich era, it did more damage to Chelsea than I think anyone knows. Um, you know, we had, you had a sexual harassment thing in the marketing team and, and all this shit that went down at, at Chelsea. I think they're starting from zero. It's like a startup team and the players are there and the coaching is there and the shirts there and Stanford Bridge is there. But everything else is emptied out and hollow. And so they're playing like it's empty and hollow. And I don't know that Graham Potter can be the person who's responsible for putting this all together. We saw the same issues happening with Tuchel. He really kind of said in not so many words, hey, I just want to be the head coach of this team. I don't want to deal with all this bullshit. And I think Potter is trying to deal with all the bullshit. But we'll see. 
I mean, I'm sure in six months Chelsea will be fine, but right now it's listless. And they are in trouble. But that is the week that was. Wow. And then we go into an FA Cup weekend. So that is exciting. The FA Cup, for those that are the uninitiated, if you're here regularly, thank you. Um, if you're And if you are here, please like and subscribe. I was looking through the data. I found um, something called Podcast Addict. We have 25 subscribers there. There's another 70 on, on, on Spotify. And I know there's a bunch of you on Apple. Please, please, please subscribe to the show so you never miss one. Please, 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 if you love me, you will rank and review the show. Please, please, please. I'm begging you. I really would like some five-star reviews to say, hey, this stupid American guy really knows a lot about this, and he's a real podcaster, so put him on. Uh, And our friends in England from FanHub app, hello and welcome. I thank you for being here. I hope that you guys listen to more of the show than less, and don't think I'm just some dumb yank who doesn't know anything. You ask me a question about your club, I will answer it, because I know about almost every team in this division, and I know about teams outside of this division. Started learning about Hartlepool recently. They have a monkey as a mascot. Really weird. Hango. Hargis. Very strange name. Hartlepool. Anyway, I do want to stop here and give my little uh, chat about something that's interesting in in English football. Um, We have our protagonists of football, the big six. Now, sometimes it's seven. Sometimes it's the big four. But now it's the big six. Arsenal. Manchester City, Man United, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea. That is the big six. And all the other teams are flitting in and out of part of the story. Uh, This year we've got Newcastle. Uh, They are there and thereabouts. Um, They're part of the story now. But I really want to talk about the other 14. There is a fine Twitter follow called the other 14. Uh, And then our friend Andy uh, Fulham. They are leading the other 14, uh, unless you count Newcastle. So I guess Newcastle are really leading the other 14, but they're the best of the rest, Fulham sitting in seventh. And every one of these clubs, Fulham, Brighton, Brentford, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Leicester City, Leeds, Nottingham, Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, Wolves, and Southampton, they all have a story. They all have supporters that know every game and every kick Every one of these teams has their own stand, has their own legends, has a little bit of everything, has a story of relegation, has a story of promotion, has glory, has moments. Um, I'm going to try and and try and grab some of these and just point some out, right? Fulham's famously is is an FA Cup semi is a is a European night against Juventus with uh, that they won. Uh, they made it to the Europa League final. Uh, Clint Dempsey, that's their shining moment. Um, Brighton's is probably recently. Brighton's is is the, is how they've been playing the last few years. The Tony Bloom team coming up two divisions, getting their new stadium. They had no stadium. They were sitting in an athletic stadium that had a track around it. They were homeless, and they've built themselves up to have the Amex Stadium that they built recently. Then under Chris Chris Hutton to come up. Then the um, the Glenn Murray seasons, and now on, under Potter, where they've become a, if 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 you could just hide the name and just talk about the transfer business they've done, they're one of the great clubs in this league right now, the way they're managed. 
followed behind them, Brentford, a West London club, and I mean small. Uh, Brentford, only known for having four pubs in the corners uh, at Griffin Park near the near the Griffin Brewery of uh, Fuller's because they're a West London team. They were a Fuller's team. Um, and Brentford's best moments are recent as well, just like Brighton, both owned by former gambling and, and money ball, Tony Blam. I've talked about them a million times. And their moments are recent, right? They don't really have deep history, but I'm sure there's players. I wish I knew more. I don't know everything. Um, and they're there. Then we have Aston Villa. Villa are one of the big clubs. If you had had to say before the start of the Premier League, you know, it wouldn't be Tottenham in the in the big six. It would be Aston Villa. Aston Villa, a club with massive history. A European Cup winning team before Liverpool's... Uh, Liverpool, I'm going to take a shot, Manny. Uh, Liverpool's fans causing trouble in Europe at the Heisel disaster against Juve uh, and getting English teams banned uh, from Europe. Um, Aston Villa were one of the were the one of the last teams to win in Europe in '84, and they carry that and they sing their songs. And they are before City and Chelsea came into their money. I think they had the third most championships or the fourth uh, all time. So Villa, massive club representing the Midlands and the and the Black Country and, and all that. And then Palace, um, Palace, a team whose legends represent, you know, Ian Wright coming to their team and then going to Arsenal. Uh, an FA Cup final against uh, United. Very famous match. And the famous team that just came up, uh, Steve Parrish had a, um, a documentary made about their time in the championship um, under Dougie Friedman with Balassi and Zaha before he went to uh, Man United and Glenn Murray. Again, his name comes up scoring like 35 goals. An incredible story of Palace going out of business and coming back up and Steve Parrish buying them. So their recent history, their famous um, penalty kick to win uh, and get promotion. Palace, lots of famous fans the great Selhurst Park, so many things about Palace, especially now the way London's um, uh, ethnography has changed. The Croydon area of South London is is where immigrants live, where African uh, British people live. And it's reflecting its neighborhood. You have a black coach and black players, and it looks like it's supposed to look, Crystal Palace uh, being there. And we know about Leicester. Leicester's favorite son uh, Gary Lineker, who everyone sees on TV for match of the day, uh, they have that championship. They have Mares, Vardy, Conte, Drinkwater. Um, those guys are legends. Uh, Huth, uh, Morgan. We'll know them all. All Brighton. We know who all of them are. They're all greats. I get goosebumps thinking about Leicester winning the league, even though it was at pain to city who got beat by them for two, but that Leicester team is legendary. That is, you know, Billy dingy dong, Billy dong, dilly ding, dilly dong, um, under Flori, under Claudio Ranieri. And they just live on from that, but they had tons of history before that tons and tons and tons. Uh, Leicester have been a team that have been part of the story of the premier league here and there and our big club. Uh, and then I think, you know, have big fans, you know, for the U S fan, Arlo white being a massive Leicester city fan. If you follow him, um, you saw when they won the FA Cup under Rodgers two years ago. You know, he's there with his dad, and it's generations of players seeing their teams win together. And when you watch fans win, 
each one of these teams has such a story and you see them crying over generations. And this is what makes football amazing. Uh, Leeds going down the table. Leeds have so much history. They they were, again, another team that was right up there, especially in the early days of the Premier League. They are the last champion of the old first division before the Premier League begins. And, and um, they sell Eric Cantona to Manchester United, who then would go on to win uh, a couple leagues and Leicester's fortunes. I mean, famously with Vaduka and, and, and Gary Speed and all those and and Batty coming through. And they also had, they had Rio Ferdinand. He was at Leeds from West Ham and Leeds were there and they are a famous club for having borrowed money off making it to the Champions League, missing the Champions League and having the team collapse under the weight of debt. And so they are actually a story of, of what happens within the concept of money, within the concept of modern football that we talk about. Uh, modern football is is a concept that English football fans know all about, but it's it's the idea of the Champions League, it's the idea of the of the Premier League, it's the idea of money first and TV rights first, and all the stuff that Americans uh, we're completely used to because our sports have always been about money. Uh, they were never not about money. But the English fan has had to reconcile this parochial thing, like Leeds being a big team in Leeds, a forgotten city, uh, no one likes us and we don't care type Leeds. Um, and they, you know, famously in the Damned United, a big team in the 70s, the Battle of Sanford Bridge, the bloody battles in the FA Cup with, with Chelsea when the game was much more violent. But Leeds are one of those teams that carry a story and history. And there's a reason why Ellen Road rocks. And there's a reason why they love Bielsa so much because they spent 17 years in the wilderness and have come back. And another team, Nottingham Forest, Christian, since 99, another 22 years in the wilderness, going down as far as League Two, Nottingham Forest, a two-time European champion, having defeated the great Liverpool teams of, of King Kenny, uh, of Kenny Dalglish, and, and, and being there with Brian Clough, and Brian Clough keeping Nottingham Forest relevant all the way through you know, uh, Roy Keane came up with Nottingham Forest and, 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 and Stuart, uh, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, coach at city. I can't remember his name. Anyway, all these players that came through, through Forest, Martin O'Neill, these are legends of football and Forest is a legendary club. And you can hear in the landscape, if you listen to podcasts, the Nottingham Forest fans are out there and they're so happy their team is back. And I'm glad that uh, Steve, Steve Cooper's got Nottingham Forest playing well, even though they are in trouble. Bournemouth, a team that their history is modern as well, but Eddie Howe is their legend. He took them from two levels down in a small seaside town. Bournemouth famously, the first job of Harry Redknapp. You know, these teams all have hundreds, 100 years of history at least. 100 years would be nothing. 1920. Uh, for instance, City first started 1880. I believe Sheffield... United or Sheffield Wednesday, these teams date back to 1860. These are old institutions, and the teams don't disappear. They're here forever. So Bournemouth has history locally, but their modern history is is one of Eddie Howe bringing the team up, and now they've got a good little team. And if they stay up, they stay up. West Ham, we know, sitting in 17th right now. But, you know, West Ham, one of the great clubs of English football. 
famous for putting at least three or four players in the 1966 World Cup squad for England, known as the Academy of Football, known for playing at Upton Park, known for being East London's finest, and for the ICL, <laughs> the Intercity League, so known for hooliganism. But, you know, West Ham have a history of putting great players all around England. They represent London. They represent working-class London, the East Enders, that side of town. You know, in the movie The Firm, they're, they're West Ham fans uh, that Gary uh, Gary Oldman probably still is a West Ham fan. So they live in pop culture, West Ham, Green Street. They live there. They live as the story of football and coming of age, and they now survive. And um, they've lost one of their own in um, uh, in gold. Golden Sullivan owner, they lost gold, who bought West Ham. They were about as old school owners as you can have. Two guys that made money in porn and ended up buying their favorite team. <laughs> so West Ham are there. Everton probably could be one of the big six if if they weren't down where they are. And they have so much history as well. I mean, all you have to do is, is see Goodison Park. See how the team lifted itself off the ground when they were in the relegation zone. And Frank Lampard grabbing the fans and fusing the energy of up of Goodison Park into the players to lift them off the ground. So this is what the other 14 do. This is who they are. Wolves, uh, champions in the 50s. One of the great teams in British history was Wolverhampton Ronderers. I think in the 50s, they won back-to-back titles. Also, around forever, the Molyneux a weird French name stadium for some reason. So much history. Also Southampton, famous more for uh, Matt Letizier and his amazingness and his iconoclastic maverickness, even though he didn't really play for England because he was one of these guys. He was sort of the equivalent of, not Jack Grealish, because he's not as, because Letizier is much better than Jack Grealish, but who would have scored 20 goals for someone in the lower divisions? I mean, like, there's not even an equivalent right now. Suppose like Danny Ings and Jack Grealish were put together, you might have um, you might have uh, Matt Letizier, just an amazing player. Go on YouTube and look up Letizier. Letizier carries the torch for Southampton, but also famously put a lot of players in the league um, in the in the late nineties. Sorry, late eighties. Alan Shearer started at Southampton and then went on to Blackburn uh, from Southampton. Uh, we have you know Theo Walcott and at Gareth Bale. And Oxlade Chamberlain and Sadio Mane, so many players came through Southampton. Van Dyke started at Southampton, so an important cog within the story and the and the and the narrative of the show that is the Premier League. And I wanted to to highlight these teams because they're all super important, and they're not. And it's not just Arsenal, City, uh, United, Tottenham, Liverpool all the time. Uh, these other teams make up so much of the fabric of football. They are where new heroes can come from because sometimes those players move on. You know, Declan Rice will move on from West Ham and hopefully be amazing. Uh, Sadio Mane, nobody thought of him as some superhero out of Southampton. He became a superhero. Um, So, you know, these teams are important to keep an eye on, important to watch, important to love, right? Important to feel something for because when they win, it means more to those fans than, than, you know, the million and tenth, the hundred million and one Manchester United fan. You know, the if you're in the fifty thousand people who are the fans of Nottingham Forest, or the hundred thousand people that are fans of Nottingham Forest, 
your wins matter more because you're part of a smaller group. Your tribe is smaller. Your scream is heard. Same goes for, you know, Bournemouth and, and Forest and Leeds and Leicester. And, you know, for me, you know, Manchester City, I made the choice. Maybe I, maybe I wouldn't make that choice again. I don't know. I don't know. But can't change, can't change, your, can't change your wife, can't change your pants, can't change your team. So there's that. Uh, I do want to talk a bit more about uh, the weird Manchester United season that's going on right now. They are on a six-game winning streak in the league. And we're not really talking about them. And I think that is a major credit to Eric Ten Hag. Um, their last loss was that Villa loss, which was early in that Unai Emery first game. It was a, kind of a weird game. Leon Bailey, they came, they came on and just kind of punched United in the face. I don't think that Ten Hag was necessarily ready for that. But aside from that, they've been climbing up the table. They're now in fourth. They are, you know, the the third best team in XG. They're right there. Uh, good defensive team, having a hard time scoring. I don't think that is an unusual thing to say. Out of the top six, they are the lowest scoring of the top six, uh, right behind um, behind uh, Newcastle. They have twenty seven goals, but they have been finding their form. And you could argue that, you know, it took ten games, well, not ten. It took five or six games to figure out what the Ronaldo thing was going to do. Ten Hag seems to have managed that over the last month or two. Um, the Ronaldo thing was, that's tough. And I think Ten Hag should get credit for that. The handling of this whole process of what happens going back to front and putting in Ericsson in a deep-lying position and recognizing the power of Fernandez and letting him play and then giving confidence back to Rashford. I mean, I think we any United fan will know he was slipping and disappearing. And it seems that Ten Hag has found him, given him some structure, and got him back inside. And I think what he's doing with Sancho, he's sent him away. Whatever happened to Sancho, he's not revealed it. He's not hammered him. He's not said, oh, you're a loser. Get off my team. But he's now grabbed Sancho. He's being very kind and saying, hey, he's going to get there. I need him. And I think when Sancho comes back into the side, United will have a different player that they can use. Uh, I think he's recognizing how to take a young player and put them back in line. And I think that is indicative of, of a coach who comes from Ajax and comes from the Dutch leagues where developing, building, and getting young players to play and feel confident is part of the business model. And if you're a coach at Ajax and you can't do that, then you're not the coach at Ajax anymore because that's how they make their money. They build up players. They put them on show during Champions League runs like Ten Hag had. Got that team to a semifinal uh, against Spurs. And they moved their players on. They got, you know, 80 million for Frankie de Jong and another 70 for um, for the player that they sent to uh, Juventus. And they, and they got money for Ziyech as well. Sent them to Chelsea. So all these moves that they do put together and grow. Uh, and Ten Hag deserves a lot of credit for that. And I'm frankly afraid because City, when we come back from <laughs> when City comes back from the FA Cup, the next game will be a Manchester Derby. Uh, City easily defeated United earlier on, but Ten Hag has shown to be someone who's learning, someone who's growing, someone who knows what his own team needs, even though he did have to learn these things by getting defeated very badly, especially in those early games. 
the game against Brighton, the game against Brentford, where United looked the same shambles that Ole left them in. And I think, you know, um, Casemiro made a difference, huge difference. But again, Ten Hag didn't throw him right in. Ten Hag took just time and built him up and got him moving. So I want to give a lot of credit to this quiet, quietly building United moment. And we'll find out very soon uh, when they go against City, whether it's real or not. Uh, I think the question will be if City, if United try and play and go toe-to-toe with uh, City, they're going to get beat bad. Um, And I don't think they will. I think they'll show some defensive steel. I do wonder whether the center backs for um, United will be good enough and whether they'll get pulled out and moved all over the place. But we'll see. Uh, City of not playing well of late, even though they, it's a win and a draw and one against Chelsea. This has not been convincing. Uh, not scoring as many goals as you'd expect. Even though Holland has 21, the rest of the team does not. It's not a good... Under, underlying numbers are not blowing the team away, even though they have scored a lot of goals. Uh, really defensively frail, overperforming. You know, City are not the best version of City I've ever seen. So it's weird. I, I can't I can't put my finger on it. Uh, but yeah, United quiet. He's handled the Maguire thing very calmly. He's handled the Ronaldo thing. He won that. Just had a thing with Rashford. He won that. He's got things moving in the right direction. And frankly, I'm scared. <laughs> a little bit. Not too much, but some. Um, so that's United. And I do think we want to go into the FA Cup and um, and have a look at that. Uh, FA Cup third round is usually one of these great, holds on to such a great memory and institution. It's, it's when the big teams from the top level come down into the, um, into, into the competition. And we have a bunch of fixtures here. So it's 30, let's see. Uh, one, two, three. How many, how many, how many games are, how many teams are left? Let me hold on. One, two, three. It's about 30. So this is a round of 32. It's the third round. There's still a lot of teams to go. Why can't I do the math? I'm stupid. 64 teams, something like that. Um, Still a lot of teams to go. This round is highlighted probably by Manchester United playing Everton. Big game, big fun game. Uh, Southampton versus Palace. There's a lot of lower level teams. We'll see Bournemouth versus Burnley, a good one. Middlesbrough on fire under Michael Carrick playing Brighton. These are teams in the championship. Uh, Wrexham, the great and powerful Wrexham. The FA Cup leading scorer, Paul Mullen, for you guys who watch the show. Um, Paul Mullen leading the competition in goals with five. He's a great little player. Wrexham will play Coventry. Coventry are bad. There's no reason Wrexham can't win that game. Um, Arsenal playing Oxford. There's so many good little games. City play, unfortunately, play Chelsea again at home. That's going to suck because it's very hard to beat a team twice in a week, but City will have to do that. Uh, West Ham play Brentford, another rematch from earlier games. And uh, for for Chris, uh, Nottingham Forest have got Blackpool uh, in, in, in the draw. But there's a lot of... A lot of teams. Uh, let's just call out um, the Premier League teams. So, again, United play Everton. Leicester have Gillingham. Gillingham are the last lowest-ranked 
team in the league. Tottenham have Portsmouth, very famous. Portsmouth used to be in the Premier League. Uh, Shaka Hislop's team and uh, Neil Tilbury. Uh, Watford are not in the Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace in Southampton. Uh, Forrest, I said, has Blackpool. Bournemouth pick up Burnley in a side that I think Burnley will, Burnley will beat Bournemouth. They're better. Um, Brighton, Middlesbrough. Still going around here. Two old school teams. I love this matchup of Sheffield United versus Millwall. Sheffield United flying in the championship along with Burnley. Um, Fulham pick up Hull, former friends of the Premier League. Not really doing much these days. As I said, West Ham and Brentford. Out of all these things, a lot of Premier League fixtures. That's pretty interesting. Um, Newcastle pick up Sheffield Wednesday, the Wednesday. One of the great names of all sports. Liverpool and Wolves each other. I think Liverpool will just sit everybody and be like, can we just not play this game right now? I'm fucking tired. Um, and then Villa pick up Stevenage. Stevenage, another great team name. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it's about, but I'm going to learn about it. Uh, and then our friend Ron from uh, Fan Hub uh, Stockport grants plays Warsaw. Uh, another good one. And then, like I said, Arsenal play Oxford United. Most of the games, there's a game tomorrow, January 6th. Then most of the games are on January 7th, the Saturday, with the remaining games on the Sunday. Um, unfortunately, the FA Cup has kind of lost some of its luster. Uh, it's one of these things to win if you can, um, but it's not vital. For certain teams, it's vital. Uh, I think it becomes an opportunity for your teams that are like for United, right? For United they shouldn't take their eye off the league, but this is an opportunity. And I think United should try and play to win this or for someone like Newcastle would be amazing for Newcastle to win the FA cup. They haven't won something in uh, almost hundred years or, or even Nottingham forest, if they can get through Blackpool, like for teams, our other 14 for our friends that with this sort of theme of this episode for the other 14, if you're not really in a relegation fight, and you feel safe or you feel like you're going to get through, the FA Cup is just a ride to go on. Because when you win it, it's a fucking dream. Um, you know, it gives a lot of lift to a club. I mean, like I said about Leicester winning the league and then winning the FA Cup a few years later. I mean, Brendan Rodgers gets to say, I won the fucking FA Cup. Does it mean anything for uh, Louis van Gaal, who won with Man United? Not as much, but he won something. But for, for Leicester, pff, FA Cup is huge. So for all the other 14, winning the FA Cup is massive and they should try and win it. We will be back. We were gonna have we're gonna have a change of show. And I do want to inform everyone of this. The big news out of the bag. We are gonna I'm I'm gonna figure this out, but we're probably gonna split the show into two types of shows. There will be a Monday show for Tuesday release that is gonna go on the Premier League. Premier Stream Network. This is a new network from our friends at Chopped Sports, at Chop Sports, and we're going to be providing them the Premier League and football wing, the European football uh, side of things. This is going to be a new venture launched by some veterans of of uh, MMA and WWF. They're trying to grow their own small streaming network, and we're a part of that, and we're part of Chop, and so they're bringing us along, and that'll be once weekly video, and then the other one. I believe we'll do the Thursday, but that won't go with them. That'll be podcast only, sort of the same way we have been doing 
Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we may just go to once a week, depending on how things are going. Cause, um, it's hard to do this twice a week, uh, by yourself. Uh, Mike is a new father. I totally get it. So not really a big deal, but I'm working now and, um, just want to do a little house cleaning there. Um, and we'll see, we'll see you on Monday for a review of the FA cup finals and go into the next match week. It is coming fast and furious and we love it and go on city. Um, North London Derby is going to petrify me. And I mean, sorry, not the North next, the next match week, sorry, is the Manchester Derby and the North London Derby. Two, two. We'll have to have Mike come back. Anyway, that is that. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, that we release on Tuesdays and Fridays. Something like that. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And wherever you are listening, Please subscribe to the show so that you get the show when it's released. It's very exciting to do. So do it. Thank you. Goodbye.